movies at this. This is where the fun begins. Take a seat. Hey there, guys, and welcome back to the Jedi Jargon Podcast, Episode 3. We are your newest source for in-depth discussion, news, and analysis of all things Star Wars. We're a podcast by Star Wars fans for Star Wars fans. My name is Jedi Master OB, and I first experienced the franchise through LEGO Star Wars. And this right here is Jedi Master Jeff, the boy who faced Darth Maul at Disney World and lived to tell the tale. Jeff, how you doing today? Nothing like how I did during the simulations, I'll tell you that much. That's a pretty good intro, Jeff, I tell you. You want to know why? Why is that, OB? Because today we're going to be discussing The Clone Wars Season 7, Episode 1, The Bad Batch. That is right, folks. The Clone Wars is back. After years and years of a hiatus, we finally get the reward that we as Star Wars fans have been seeking, have been craving, have been hoping for. So... The Bad Batch. It is time to get hype. Er, drive. <laughs> you like that one? <laughs> I do. <laughs> All right, folks. So the Bad Batch arc uh, was a four-episode arc that was released as an unfinished story reel back in the year 2015. Uh, as we know, the illustrious, the incorruptible, the evergreen D. Bradley Baker plays all of the clones, and I tell you, man, his performances are amazing. They are all unique while essentially playing the same person in so many different forms, and that is just amazing how he does that. Um, yeah, there are so many different clone characters that he portrays, all with that same core voice that it's, it's pretty genius when you think about it that, yeah, it's all the same basic template of a person with mm. all the clones true the same core voice but tweaked for hundreds of different clones uh it seems mm -hmm. that's very true different personalities um, for each yeah so this is going to be the first of our review episodes um so just listeners the way this is going to work is we are going to and we're going to do this for the mandalorian we're hopefully going to be doing this eventually for star wars rebels um and then the future episodes of the Clone Wars, and then later down the road, the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV series. Um, but the way this is going to work is we are going to start out by giving our grade for the episode. Um, we'll give a couple reasons why we gave it that grade, and then we'll do a synopsis, and then we'll go into a little more depth about the episode. So, um, Jeff, first off, uh, let's start by just talking about the fortune cookie of the episode, and then we'll go into giving our grades. How does that sound? Of course, yeah. Would All you right. like me to read this? Uh, sure. So the fortune cookie is the little nugget of wisdom right after the uh, title booms through. And for this one, it was embrace others for their differences, for that makes you whole. Love that. I love that. So as we're going to get into, uh, this kind of relates to the initial friction between Rex, uh, Cody, Jesse kicks and the and, and the bad batch that we're going to that we're going to meet in this episode. So Jeff, what was your grade for season seven, episode one, the bad batch? I would probably give this one an even B. Interesting. Yeah, because it's good. It's very good. You get a good glimpse of what this new season is going to be like. We get a nice uh, preview of the animation, the rich animation style. There's definitely a difference from 
where it was in the earlier seasons. I've been rewatching the entirety of the series in recent weeks leading up to this, and there's there's a sharp improvement in the overall fluidity of the animation, and I really liked how it looked. Um, obviously, the dynamic between the uh, familiar Rex, Cody, Jesse, and Kicks with the Bad Batch was phenomenal. I liked their dynamic. I really liked all of the members of uh, Clone Force 99. They all had their own individual personalities. I thought that made the episode all the more interesting. Uh, when we got that first... I liked how it started with the conference between Mace Windu and Anakin. I liked how we were welcomed back into the series with two familiar faces. I thought that was very well done. But yes, overall, it was exactly what I would have wanted in a Clone Wars welcome back episode, if you will, uh, bringing bringing things back into light. Um, exactly what I wanted. Could have been, we could have started out with maybe a little bit more Jedi, but again, that's just me being a greedy little fanboy. What's your grade? Yes, yeah, so I would probably give this episode a B plus. Okay. A okay. L- little higher than a little higher than you rated it. Um I loved the message of this episode. Embrace others for their differences, for that makes you whole. Um as we're gonna get into in a minute, uh, Clone Force ninety nine, uh the Bad Batch, they're quirky, they're powerful in their own ways, and they work together in a way that we don't typically see the clones working together. Uh but as you said, this was a great welcome back to the Clone Wars for all of us loyal Clone Wars fanboys. Um, I also will echo your sentiment. I do wish there was a little more of the Jedi, um, but if this was going to be a clone-centric episode and this is going to be a clone-centric arc, which I have a feeling it's going to be, um, I think that the welcome that we got with the conference between Generals Windu and Skywalker was perfect. Um, in terms of the animation, as you said, uh, a significant increase. You know, a couple weeks ago, I was watching the initial... Uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars uh, movie that was released in theaters back in, I believe it was 2007. And my God, it was it was abysmal, the, the quality of the animation compared to how it is now. Uh, leaps and bounds, or might I say light years apart. Yes. Um, light years, light years. Yeah. No, I loved the individual clones of Clone Force 99, which we will get into in a little bit. Um, and most of all, I loved where where I see the season going. You know, like, it, it's kind of hard to to rate the first episode of a season, especially for a show that's been off the airs for off the air for more than five years. You know, since 2014. Was it six years now? Yeah, it's hard to um, believe. It, it's hard to rate it when this is the first piece that we get. It's kind of like, how do I put this? It's kind of like going to a fine wine festival and trying to rate the first wine that you taste. The first glass of wine that you taste. When you know there's so much more to come after that. So there's not much context uh, to give it. But, so that, I, but that first glass was mighty tasty. And oh, it made it me was. excited for the rest of the glasses that we're going to be getting. That's for sure. It, it both quenched my thirst and made me excited for the next glass. Made me more thirsty for more. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like that, that first glass of, you know, spiked blue milk was tart just enough <laughs> To, to satisfy my cravings but it was salty enough to make me want more why not green man i don't know i just i just think the blue milk does it for me <laughs> yeah um 
So I gave this episode a B plus. What I would love to do is to look back at these 12 episodes after they all air and rank them. Because uh, we'll have them, you know, in context with everything. Of course. That'd be cool to do. So. And I think later on, we'll definitely do a a season review episode once we have everything in front of us on the mm-hmm. table. Uh, definitely. We'll have a, a more complete picture of the vision of this season. Mm-hmm. Yes, so let's jump into a quick synopsis of what goes on uh, for The Clone Wars Season 7, Episode 1, The Bad Batch. So, it opens with the with the title card, Flash of the Forest, and then we get the fortune cookie. And as Jeff said, the fortune cookie says, Embrace others for their differences, for that makes you whole. And then our announcer comes on, and he talks about the battle being fought both on the ground and in the air and in space the planet of the planet Anaxis. Um, Republic forces are facing a stalemate and they need to alter their their course of action, their plans um, to rout the Separatists on the planet. So the Republic forces, as I said, are struggling against the Separatist Admiral Trench, uh, who was actually long thought to be dead um, from one of the first episodes of, um, of the Clone Wars. Actually, he was presumed dead after the Battle of Christophsis. Um, so he's back. Uh, and by the way, He's a freaking spider cyborg. Like, what the <laughs> heck, Lucasfilm? Like, uh, what possesses people to be like, you know what our franchise needs? A spider. We need a spider character. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> Harry Potter did it, so I can't I can't read the books. I can't watch those movies. They're everywhere in those. Now they're putting them in Star Wars. They had them in Star Wars The Clone Wars. There was a whole planet of freaking space spiders. And then there's this guy freaking admiral trench who's a literal spider luckily now since he was presumed dead after the battle over christophsis he's now like a spider cyborg but he was freaking creepy before this he was creepy and i it's kind of like when when darth maul comes back and he's got the spider legs and like not the robotic ones like the actual spider ones i couldn't watch it i couldn't do it i had to like i don't know anyway listeners i i don't like spiders if you couldn't if you um Yes, uh, he may be a renowned Jedi Master, uh, but the utterance of the word spider makes his skin crawl. That is so, correct. So uh, just that keep that correct. in mind. Uh, keep the word spiders out of our comments section for uh, Jedi Master OB's sake, please. Yeah, listen, we are a pro lot of things podcast, but one thing we are not pro is spider. We are very anti-spider podcast. Is that is that uh, so, not correct, Master Jeff? I... I I can jive with that. Okay, I, cool. I, I, I don't like spiders either. I don't. They don't make my skin crawl as much as they do yours, but no, I, I can yeah. jive with that. I don't like them either. No, listen, man. I uh, I know you and I were talking about this earlier, and you kind of made fun of me. And I, you know, listen. All I know is that if it were a rat, you'd be on the floor crying. So like, <laughs> so it's okay. So like, hey, we're even. I, I don't even. I'm not even gonna try and deny that. Rodents, they make my skin crawl. Uh, so we've all got our things, right? Darth Stuart Little <laughs> comes to ruin Jeff's day. Oh, yeah. Nod. So anyway, yeah. So he, um, Admiral Trench is back and he's commanding the Separatists um, on and above Anaxis. Um, and Commander Cody comes to tell Generals Mace Windu and Anakin Skywalker that he believes that the Separatists have figured out the algorithms behind Rex's tactics and strategies. 
Uh, so Rex and Cody, they want to launch an attack actually on the cyber center uh, of an axis, which is kind of the command center for all incoming transmissions in and out and around the planet. Um, and they really want to get to the bottom um, of what's going on. Cody and Rex want to launch an attack on the cyber center um, to get to the bottom of why the separatists seem to be one step ahead of the Republic um, at every move. So a little later on in the episode, we see Captain Rex dealing with some significant survivor's guilt um, at the death not of even, his comrades. Yeah, not, and I need to jump in here and add that it was at the beginning of the episode, right after that initial conference when they were sort of dismissed. Anakin pulls Rex aside and asks him, like, what's in your mind? Is there something bothering you? Right. Which is a small, small little moment. It's an important moment for uh, telling us where Anakin's at with his force abilities. He's clearly become even more powerful than the last time we saw him in the Clone Wars. He's in, he's obviously inching closer to how powerful he was in Revenge of the Sith. Pete Anakin, if you will. He was able to sense that something was going on with Rex right away. Right. And yes, uh, that might be his force powers at work. Might also just be that he cares a lot about Rex, uh, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we see Captain Rex looking at a picture of Echo and Heavy and Fives, you know, his brothers in arms that he tragically lost over the course of, of the course of the series. Um, but then Cody comes to him. Was it Cody? And he and they're and they're talking, and he said that he felt that Echo might still be alive. Because, he, and he said, and this is what he said, he said, Echo would be the only one that would know Rex's plans because they drew up their battle plans together. So, after this meeting, Captain Rex goes back to his barracks and he's looking at a picture of him and his comrades. There's Echo, there's Fives, there's Heavy, and him. And they all tragically, as we know, um, were killed over the course of the series. So he's dealing with some significant, significant survivor's guilt. Um... However, Rex feels that Echo might still be alive, and he tells this to Cody, um, and he says that Echo would be the only one who knows Rex's plans, because they drew up their battle plans together, and the nature of the Separatist attacks has countered all of Rex's plans in such a way that it only leaves the possibility of Echo being alive. So, to face down the Separatists, the Bad Batch are called in. Clone Force 99. They zoom into the base, um, pretty much crashing on the runway. Uh, that was so great. It was so funny. You know, it was unconventional. It was unconventional. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it was it was unconventional at best. Uh, chaos at its worst. Um, but what an introduction to those characters. I know. You know, like I know. It, it says a lot about who they are. Just the their landing alone. You know what, man? Uh, when I first saw that crash landing onto the clone under the the Repub republic base you know what i thought of what's that we're gonna cue the theme right here
That's right, folks. Clone Force 99 is the A-team in space. <laughs> the A-team in space. I mean it, man. The Bad Batch. So Cody introduces his brothers in Clone Force 99, a.k.a. the Bad Batch. And they are a group of defective clones with desirable mutations. Essentially a bunch of badasses, right? And they are named after um, Maintenance Worker 99, a genetically defective clone who worked on Kamino um, and served along with his clone brothers um, during the Battle of Kamino. So they were marked as defects from the Clone Academy, but all have unique skills that together create a, form- a formidable team and a fierce fighting force. I know you say they remind you of the A-Team, which they totally, totally are reminiscent of. Kind of remind me of the Suicide Squad. Yeah. Um, and that they're all sort of unique and used as a sort of... Uh, Swiss Army knife, if you will, for more difficult missions. Mm-hmm. A lot like the Suicide Squad in the DC Universe. True, true, true. So let's break down the members of Clone Force 99, the Bad Batch, the A-Team in space, the Suicide Squad in space. We have first, Hunter. Now, Hunter has heightened senses, kind of like Marvel's Daredevil. So he has his finger on the electromagnetic pulse uh, of the universe, pretty much. He immediately reminded me of Rambo, especially with that uh, mullet and red bandana. I don't know about you guys. Uh, he had that. Did he have a hunting knife? I believe he. Yeah, he had that electric. Yeah, knife. Yeah, he had an electric knife. Yeah. That just wrecked the droids. Love that thing. Oh yeah, badass. No, seriously, and I thought of Rambo too when I saw him with the bandana and the long hair. Yeah. So second, we have Wrecker. Uh, now his whole deal is he has superhuman strength. He totally reminded me of like Hulk or or Lenny from of Mice of Men in the right. vein that he was you know he was a Hulk he was very strong but he also seemed kind of slow I don't know about you um, yeah so not all there um, just kind of like know, up in the head kind of like one track minded like you know to quote to paraphrase from uh, of Mice and Men you know when George would be talking to Lenny. You know, George, I want to tend the rabbits. George, can you help me tend the rabbits? But, like, it, Wrecker's like, George, I'm going to kill the rabbits, you know? Like it, <laughs> it's just kind of wild. Um, Where are those clankers? <laughs> Give me those clankers. Yeah, seriously. Um, so the third... The so third, lovable, though. Yeah, seriously. The third member of the Bad Batch is Tech. Now, Tech is incredibly smart, and he's gifted with electronics and technology. He's kind of like the guy in all those, like, cop movies that kind of hangs back at the at the base and you know gets them into all the security systems and all that stuff except he's actually there on the mission which is really cool about tech and all these guys not only do they have their individual skills but they're deadly as all heck you know they are all formidable fighters in their own right uh and lastly we have crosshair now crosshair is the sniper of the bunch he actually has it seems to be like crosshairs like like a tattoo or like a scar on his face um so that that is the bad batch they are clones like we have never seen them before with their desirable mutations um and that's that so over the course of the episode they interact with um with the regs as they call them with um <laughs> I love with, with rex I love, and company i love how you don't even really need that much context context to yeah. know what they're talking about well when it's, they in call the, it's, in the, it's in the same vein of the regular clones troopers calling uh the noobs the shinies you know you got the shinies and then you got the regs right Um, so anyway so the bad batch clone force 99 are called in to help rex 
um, with this mission. So they land on an axis, they crash land, um, and then they all take off uh, Rex and Rex and the Bad Batch, and they go to the location of this um, communications tower, or what, what is it called? It's a um, cyber cyber center. Thank you. Center. And they and they go <laughs> and they go land close to the cyber center. So they crash land, and Cody, uh, Commander Cody, is pinned under the gunship. So Wrecker lifts the gunship off Cody, immediately disp- displaying his immense strength. You got to think that one of those ships has got to be hundreds of tons, even. You know, they, they got to be massive. Um, so anyway, so Cody is badly wounded with a lot of internal damage, uh, and the Bad Batch are attacked by a whole company of droids who saw them uh, crash land. Now, under normal circumstances, you would probably lose a couple of clones. You know, it would probably be a bit of a harder fight. But nah, nah, nah. Not today. Not with the Bad Batch. Clone Force 99 absolutely wrecks the clones, uh, the droids that attack them. Pardon me. And with style, might I add. Oh my I God, loved yeah. the way in which they worked together to take down all those droids. You know, just uh, Tech was in there shouting out coordinates. Hunter. Uh, lobbed out those uh, thermal detonators, crosshair, right. in there for the kill shot. And the way in which they used those thermal detonators to take out waves of them at a time. Love that. I That made the episode all the better. And it hints at a lot of uh, goods. And it's definitely I- indicative of uh, what kind of action we're going to be getting for the rest of the season. I'm oh, for very sure. excited. Oh, for sure. The gloves are off. I am so excited for it going forward. Um, so, like you were saying, the Bad Batch absolutely wrecks the droids that are attacking them. Now, it, then it, the story shifts back to the to the droid commanders, to Admiral Trench, and the droids are finding out, or they're they're finding the clones' actions to be highly irregular, um, not in line with the algorithms that they have u- been using to. to to, to decode and be one step ahead of their tactics. Their tactics are those that they've never seen before. Now, why is this? We know as the audience because these aren't your typical clones. This is Clone Force 99. This is the bad batch. Something they've never seen before. They're more individual, um, more unique in their tactics, more um, original in their tactics than anything we've seen before. So, after a long battle, um, they attack the, the the clones attack an outpost, and then they move on to attack the separatist cyber center. And we get some crazy action in there. Uh, we see we see tech hacking into the systems. We see hunter um, hunter. We see hunter and wrecker just absolutely destroying the droids. Uh, I love the use of the electronic. It seems to be like the electric knife that just wrecks the droids. Yeah, it cuts through them like butter. It's yeah. fantastic. So they break into the cyber center, um, and it's Rex and uh, and one of the other droid, uh, one of the other clones, and they hear this transmission that kind of sounds like a human voice. And after a couple seconds, it comes into focus, and it says, and it repeats. CT-1409. CT-1409. And they find out that the transmission is coming from Skako Minor. 
and the last words of the episode. CT1409? That's Echo's number. He's alive. What? Echo, mm. Echo's alive, dude. Just like he's just like Rex thought he was. Echo lives. What do you what do you think about that? So I was definitely I, I listened closely to the voice and it was it definitely sounded robotic. The first thing I thought of was that the separatists somehow hijacked his brain from his body disgustingly enough and used it as a sort of source of intelligence. That's the first thing that I thought of. I didn't think that he was alive for a second. And, you know, we'll see what happens in episode two. I personally don't think he's alive, though. You don't? No. Hmm. I think he might be alive, but it, it would have to be, I mean, he, you would assume that he got pretty messed up, uh, after the battle at the Citadel, I mean, like, we all thought he was dead for years. So, yeah, I would think he has to be in some altered state. Um, so, either right. it's either it's a trap or he's really messed up. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the trap or they, like I said, hijacked his the useful parts of his brain for strategic use. Mm-hmm. So, Jeff, I really want to know, who is your favorite member of the Bad Batch? I gotta say, man, probably Wrecker. Yeah. I just, I love how, yeah, he's got a one track mind, but he's just so lovable. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something about him that's just so, like, like, yeah, he'd probably kill you if he did it, but you just want to give him a hug, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, man, I, I hear that. Interesting. Like, the whole time, I was just, yeah, I just wanted to, jump in there and like have some blue milks with wrecker you know honestly talk about talk war stories he's just such a funny character he has he brings a lightheartedness to this sort of serious this more serious episode that focuses on a lot of like you know a lot of division between ranks and whatnot he brings a good light to it Mm mm-hmm and yours, your favorite? Yeah, so my favorite member, you know, probably, I, I think that I, I chose this individual for a little bit of a different reason than you did. Probably, I think I chose this this individual because I identify with them most um, out, of, out of all four of them, and that okay. is Tech. Now, I like Tech primarily because he has glasses and I too have glasses, <laughs> right? You know, he doesn't have the best hairline and like neither do I, right? So like... <laughs> So like, listen. If you can't make fun of yourself, what can you do? No, but in all seriousness, Ugh. in all seriousness, I love Tech because he kind of seems like the member of the bunch that everyone, you know, would think at face value isn't the strongest fighter, maybe isn't the biggest guy, you know. But he's quiet. He's deliberate. He is the one that they all rely on when when push comes to shove. You know, he's. You know, he looks like a bit of a nerd because, like I said, he's got the glasses. Um, but he really th- looks like an underdog to me, uh, and someone that I personally wouldn't want to count out. Um, and that's why I like Tech so much. You know, I he he, he reminds me of myself, uh, or at least what I would like to think that I remind myself of, um, in in the good ways. So yeah, and they used his intelligence, his intellect, to their uh, strategic advantage in battle. 
uh, he was the one who was shouting out all those coordinates when they were just completely wiping out those hordes of droids. Yeah, what I love about him is that he his strength is not his strength. His strength is his mind. His strength is his ability to improvise, adapt, and overcome in a way that doesn't necessarily involve his physical physical ability, but at the same time, he's able to fight his way out of situations um, should the need arise. Yeah, he's he's almost like the the quarterback hmm. of the group. You know, he kind of stands back, calls out what needs to be done because he has the greatest understanding of what's going on. A lot of the best quarterbacks in football are the smartest minds of the team. You know, that's why that's why Tom Brady has six Super Bowl rings. He's he's a a genius with the X's and O's. He's able to put together all these creative plays mm-hmm. to win true. games. Very true. Yeah, I, I think that tech really did kind of remind me of a of a quarterback in in that sense. So let's discuss a couple of the themes, just to round out the episode, a couple of the themes that really spoke to us in this episode. So the first one that I want to talk about is the idea of survivor's guilt. Now, I loved this episode, and I'm very excited for this Bad Batch arc, because it seems like it's going to be a clone-centric arc. Now, from my experience with The Clone Wars, the TV show, the clone-centric episodes are the ones that most shine a light into the true cost of war. You know what I mean? They I do. They take this galactic conflict where when we see these guys, these clones in the movies, they, you know, for for better for or for worse, they really do seem expendable. You know, they don't have faces, they're just men in helmets. I mean, for heck's sake, they're CGI in the films. There's not a single real actor playing a clone in these movies. And why were they made? I They were made to fight. Yeah. So yeah. to see these clones as men heightens the emotional stakes of the series. You know what I mean? Like to, to pull from um, the Pong Krell arc in season four, I believe it is, um, you know, they're not clones, they're men. Right. Yeah, and for me, an episode that spoke to me in particular was The Deserter. Oh, I love uh, that back- episode. Back in the season two, uh, episode ten to be exact. Please check it out. Um, Obi Wan leads an expedition onto the planet of Sulakami, I believe is how it's pronounced. And uh, Rex was injured in the crash, and uh, a couple of Twi'lek children come running out and greet him, and he's greeted by their as well by their mother, um, and. What's was interesting was weird for sure was when the to the daughter, the Twi'lek girl, said to Rex, "Oh, you look like my daddy. You know, you look like my dad. He's so familiar." He was obviously weirded out by that, and later it makes sense because the father of those two children and the husband of that Twi'lek woman is in fact a clone who had dis- who had deserted to become a farmer and live a life free of war um with his family he even says to rex to rex and i'll pull that quote he even says to rex i'd like to think that what i'm doing is merely exercising my freedom to choose and that's powerful man 
His name was Cut. Cut Laquane. And he had his own family. He believed that, yeah, you know, they were they were programmed to believe that the war that they were fighting for was uh, a just war, and that they they ought to follow the orders of the Jedi because they're saving the galaxy for generations to come. And for Cut, he believed that as well, for a long time, until his his brothers were uh, were all killed. And he was the last one standing after a devastating battle that he had fought in. And I wonder so, if I yeah, wonder yeah. if Rex is starting to feel a similar way that he felt now that you know, now with the loss of Fives and Heavy and Echo. Um, if he I mean we see that he's he's clearly struggling from survivor's guilt. Um, but I wonder you know is he thinking about possibly leaving the 501st? I mean, I know we see him in uh, Star Wars Rebels, you know, years, years in the future, you know, with a, with a, with a white beard and everything. Um, Which is... So we know something happens in, Yeah. Him. It's interesting to think that he looks so old there, but he's only really in his 40s. But Star Wars kind of has that effect on its characters. They all die young Particularly deaths, the clones. Look old. Because they're all like 10... Thirteen-year-olds. Yeah. True. True. Yeah, and that kind of rolls into the the second theme that I wanted to discuss tonight, and that is individual identity or the the clones themselves as characters. Now, like I was alluding to previously, in the prequel films, we really don't see the clones as individuals. Sure, we see Cody, and sure we hear about Rex. I believe we hear about Rex, uh, but we see Cody in Episode Three at least. Um, but besides that, the clones are just men behind masks. Yeah, they're CGI NPCs, to use a video game uh, term. They're just characters to fill the screen. Yeah, and that's what's great about these clone-centric episodes and the Clone Wars series in general, um, is that they're putting these generic NPCs, these non-playable characters, as you as you called them so eloquently, uh, at the center at center stage of the episodes. And that speaks to what I love, and I think you love most about the Clone Wars, is that even the smallest characters get their own arcs. Um, one of my one of my favorite examples is C three PO and R two D two. They have a number of arcs where they themselves just go off on adventures. It's some of the most entertaining stuff in the series. I I think at least. Yeah, and I know you and I both love to clown on those Gungans, but in. Uh... The I believe it was the first season, the Bombad Jedi, where Jar Jar and C three PO are holding down Padme's ship while she's on a diplomatic mission. I the seeing the two of them on their own interact, um, and we were fortunate enough in that episode to get the talents of Anthony Daniels and the original voice of Jar Jar um, interacting with one another. I'm at best. On their own. I'm at best. Um, alongside Anthony Daniels interacting on their own in a fashion we never really got to see in the movies. It's hilarious. <laughs> Hold on, Thriso. Hold on, please. Don't let go, Thriso. <laughs> oh. So good. Oh, I am keeping that in. <laughs> that is staying in there. And 
all of this really does speak to the depth of the Star Wars canon itself yes. uh, in a larger sense. Every character you can think of who has appeared on screen, even in the the deepest corners of most Eisley Cantina, uh, they they probably have their own Wikipedia article, their own backstory. Even the Death Sticks guy from Attack of the Clones, he's got his his own name, his own backstory. You can read about him on Wikipedia. Elon Sleazebagano. <laughs> Elon Sleazebagano is yeah, that character's every name. Every time I hear his name, I just... <laughs> I, just oof. I bet a lot of you listeners didn't know that that character, the, the Death Stick Peddler, had his own name and his own little backstory. I, I, I love that. Elon Sleazebagano. I might have to write a fan fiction about Elon Sleazebagano. <laughs> And, and we'll, we'll, we'd be happy to perform that for you folks. Um, no, nah, man, what I love about the Clone Wars is that it's 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 made by Star Wars fans, for Star yeah. Wars fans, kind of like this, kind of like the Jedi Jargon podcast. You know, they understand that we want to see these characters' backstories. We want to see their everyday. When you're watching a Star Wars episodic film, one of the Skywalker saga films or one of the spinoffs, you're not seeing their everyday, you know? Yeah, and that's like for and example, that's the nature of movies, right? Like for, you have to move the plot along. Exactly. Like for example, in The Mandalorian season 1, I believe it was episode 1, we saw the first canonical reference to a bathroom. Yeah. Like you never would think about a refresher as they call it in the in the in the <laughs> theatrical release uh, films, but you know, when you have a 6 uh. when you have an 8 episode uh series, um, you know, you can get away with talking about the refreshers. Just like in the Clone Wars, you can get away with having a three or four episode arc of R2-D2 and C-3PO just clowning on the droids. Like, it's yeah. totally fine. Um, and I love, I love that the creator of the Clone Wars give us that depth. That it's not always just all about the Jedi or all about um, the clones. Yeah, and Dave Filoni, that... That man really does have the Midas touch with any anything Star Wars that he's worked on. If anybody were to be classified as the second coming of our Lord and Savior George Lucas, it would be him, <laughs> hands down. It's true. I mean, I've read and heard that George Lucas thinks of him as like his successor when it comes to like driving the ship forward. You know, like he they had a really good working relationship when they put the Clone Wars together. And I can't wait to see what Dave Maloney does next after this last season of the yeah, Clone I mean, Wars. Yeah, I mean, he is. He's, he's already working on The Mandalorian, as we know. Oh, yeah. But No, but he's George, Lu next, he's George you know? Lucas's protege. And I think if he had worked on the sequel trilogy, that would have been a whole different ballgame. But... I know, huh? Mm. That's a whole another Jedi Jargon episode, folks. Like, what would the sequel trilogy have looked like if it had been one vision, you know, one director's uh, vision throughout, not you know, a couple different, you know, two different directors like we got. For sure. Anything else you want to finish up with before we close out the episode? I think that about does it. You think that about does it? I think. That does it. All right, folks. I guess if I'm hearing what he's saying, that just about does it for us here 
on episode three of the Jedi Jargon podcast. We really hope that you guys enjoyed what you heard. If you did, be sure to drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We are we are found wherever you get your podcasts. Um, be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. And please share us with your friends. The only way we can grow our Jedi Jargon community is if you, our Padawans, spread the good news with your friends far and wide. Be sure to drop us a... Uh, a follow on Instagram and Twitter. We are on both of those platforms at Jedi Jargon Pod. That is Jedi Jargon Pod. And remember, folks, the pod will be with you always. It's a trap! It's a trap!